Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Thursday and we are back rolling into May trying to get some of this offseason checked off so we can get back to talking about real football again. That is Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. And um, the reason that I bring up that it's early May is that it feels like this conversation is normally reserved for July where crazy hype for other teams in the Big Ten begins and it's right around Indianapolis. It gives people to talk about. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you guys something. Oh, okay, fun. fun. Yeah, hmm. I know. It's a great way to start the show. But I, I didn't tell you. I just wanted you to react to this in real time and tell me what you think of it. This is from USA Today, the most respected newspaper in the world. Uh, and it kicks off. <laughs> kicks off I, know, I know where this is going. <laughs> Ohio State, number six. There are personnel issues, including an ongoing competition at quarterback, and there are bigger picture concerns heading into Coach Ryan Day's fifth season. Front and center among those larger worries is the Buckeyes' inability for the past two seasons to stop Michigan and combat the Wolverines' physical play. Day in Ohio State can make any number of personnel changes, but won't get back to the playoff without solving what Michigan brings to the table. For now, the Buckeyes are third in their division. But who's the uh, who's the the other team in the equation there? I mean, it's got to be Penn State, right? Penn State Holy. is listed at number four in these rankings. It's not Maryland. Okay, it is not Maryland. Not Maryland. Uh, and that I I don't need to read all of what it said about Penn State, but it did say they don't have personnel issues. They fixed their offensive line problems. That's totally done. That's a thing of the past. Penn State is rolling, and they are ready to make some noise. I'm. I thought it was. An interesting take on the Buckeyes. I don't think that it's wrong to say that they, you know, are if they're not a finished product at this moment. I wouldn't take exception to that. But there are other word choices and numerical choices that I think are quite suspicious. Can we, um, before we get into that, like just address the glaring factual inaccuracy that they need to beat Michigan to make the playoff? Because guess what? They didn't last year and they still made the playoff. We were going to get to that. that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's point one pretty clearly right <laughs> off the bat. Like, they're not going to get back to the playoff until they uh, solve that. Well, they got to the playoff last year and didn't solve it. So, nice job, Ghost Rider. <laughs> Guy. So, faulty premise from the start. But, uh, Bill, you and I have had to do this before, power rankings. They're not – if you're always being 100% truthful about it, and I'm not suggesting that was the case here or not, but we are talking about it now, so mission accomplished there. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a, a a downside to engaging some conversation and and maybe poking the bear or even taking chances. Not everybody has to think the exact same way about what the Big Ten should look like 1 through 14 or what the college football ranking should look like 1 through 25 because no one is ever going to agree on that. No, and like I think the top, the top of the Big Ten East is usually pretty good. I think it has the potential to maybe be the best it's been with, with these three teams. Um, I like like what Penn state brings back quite a bit. If you want to tell me that you're buying Penn state stock, um, you know, I might, I might too, but I also don't assume that they're now going to like leapfrog Ohio state. Like there's nothing that's happened on the field aside from a weird game in 2016 in Beaver stadium that suggests Penn state is capable of doing that under James Franklin. So I don't want to give them or him, I guess I should say the benefit of the doubt in that regard. The Michigan conversation is another conversation entirely. Um, it's correct. They have to figure out a way to help, They have to figure out a way to beat Michigan. Um, 
that in my mind is like enough fodder to generate conversation about the big 10 and Ohio state standing and what's going to happen moving forward. Um, adding Penn state to that conversation as a team that is now suddenly like better situated than Ohio state feels like a, a, a step too far for me at this point. Why is it better to have one five-star quarterback who's never really played any real football that's not in a competition to be the starter than it is to have two five-star quarterbacks who've never played college football that are in a competition to be a quarterback? Why Why is the first one better? Well, Berman, it's, you have two. Do you really have one? Yes, you have two. <laughs> oh. I just, I'm not sure I understand the idea of mentioning the quarterback battle. Like, it's a problem. Like, that's... That's a good thing for Ohio State. The fact is Penn State has Drew Aller coming in to be their starting quarterback this year, but he's a second-year quarterback who has not played many meaningful snaps yet in his college career, and he is not a more sure thing than Kyle McCord or Devin Brown by any measure. So I'm not sure why you would look at their offense with the wide receivers they have, which are not what Ohio State has, Yes, their offensive line might be a, a skosh better with Olu Fashanu, especially at the tackle. Like you've got a, a surefire top ten pick there. But how is Penn State's parts better than Ohio State's parts on offense? Um, maybe they are in defense. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously Ohio State's defense proof is in the foot in the last couple of years, but uh, they return everyone, so you'd expect them to be somewhat better. Now, will they take the leap they took from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen? Um, I don't know, but uh, I doubt it because you just don't have some of the, the superstar players Ohio State had in 2019, but they should at least be a better defense than they were a year ago, more consistent. But offensively, I just don't know how you can even put those conversations in the same breath because stack up the running backs, wide receivers, all that stuff. It's not close. I think that's what I most enjoyed about this piece uh, in the world's most respected newspapers, that every sentence just got – more richer and dumber <laughs> than the previous one. You're going to start by saying that there's personnel problems. Like, I don't know that Ohio State has a problem with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown being in a quarterback battle. In fact, I think they're probably quite okay with that situation, at least compared to Penn State's. Uh, although they, you know, that staff did evaluate Drew Hour plenty, right, Burn? Like they, mm -hmm. they like his ability. Yeah. I mean, but, Ohio State would have been more than happy to have Drew Aller on their roster, but instead they signed the quarterback who was ranked ahead of him that year instead. I mean, that's the way it goes. Yeah, so I think that they're happy with that. Like, If you wanted to address defensive breakdowns in the secondary a year ago or talk about right tackle coming out of spring, that would have been fine. To say that there are personnel problems for one of the most talented rosters in the country and then only talk about the quarterbacks seems a little bit disingenuous also coincidentally there was a link to a story about the quarterback battle i don't know maybe that was why <laughs> it's not a it's a question it's not a problem it's a question with like i think two good answers for if you're if you're ohio state if you were going to label anything on ohio state's roster a personnel problem i think it's probably on the offensive line which they like took a step to address two days ago um with a player in Josh Simmons, so like, well, I don't know, we'll see, but I think he's got some upside as we, as we discussed. So, and like on defense, there's not, I think there's a collective question about the Ohio State's defense. Like, can they take another step under Jim Knowles? Um, they took a step last year. Can they take a bigger step this year? Fine. Fair question. Um, problem is not the right way to, to, to frame that. And especially in the context of like Penn state's losing some dudes on its defense too. Like 
if, if Ohio State's got problems on defense, Penn State's got problems on defense, and they get they got to figure out as well. They're in the second year of a new coordinator, so uh, it's weird. I don't get it, and also too, like does it it doesn't take into effect like into account, excuse me, um, where that game is this year too. Like that, that is of grave importance, I think, when you talk about Ohio State and Penn State. Um, maybe if this were last year, I might entertain that a little bit more. Probably not. But because it's James Franklin, but uh, <laughs> it's it's just yeah, it's odd to me. I think people, I don't know if it is a an eagerness to see something different in this side of the division, uh, so other than Ohio State and Michigan kind of going at it. And I guess we've gotten that the last couple of years with Michigan finally giving Ohio State a game and beating them twice. But I, I have felt for a while probably since that 2016 season that people have been trying to like will Penn state into this position of like equal footing with, with Ohio state and Michigan. And they're just not there yet. I know that Penn state has had some on field success against Michigan um, compared to Ohio state's and better success, but as, as programs, I just, I think there is a separate, there's a gap between Ohio state and Michigan and Penn state that has not come close to being closed yet to the point where we can have like this conversation right now. I think there's obvious Ohio State fatigue around the conference and some of the national writers and stuff like that. Who The Buckeyes have had suffocated the entire Big Ten for 20 years, so I think people are ready for like to, to be able to have a reason to talk about them. But that it doesn't mean that they're right. Uh, and it's yeah. also there, that belief comes somewhat because Ryan Day's program in the last two years has had its moments of looking pretty soft against Michigan. And so the ability to write, hey – there's a bigger overarching problem. Like you can say that without needing to really go too far into detail about what you think the problem is. And people will just accept it as fact because they got their doors beat up, but you know, blown off by Michigan. But beyond that and go back to quarterback position. Like if I have the choice between tacos or pizza for dinner, that's pretty great, right? I'm happy with either choice. I don't think that anyone's going to be like, damn it. Tacos again. No pizza again. No, like I want tacos or pizza all the time. Okay, so it's not a problem to have to choose between tacos or pizza. It is a wonderful gift given to you by the food lords. Mm. (laughs) Thank you, food lords. Never really thought about that or given the proper blessings to the food lords who have who generously put tacos on my plate last night. As a matter of fact, on a Tuesday. Mm. Praise me. It's when (laughs) did Berm? Did you just pick that those two food items out of thin air, or did you? Is it pizza because Kyle McCord is from New Jersey and tacos because Devin Brown has spent a portion of his youth in the American Southwest? (laughs) Hey, you can think how I got there however you want. I'm going to tell you that I got there because there's a good portion of the day where I'm thinking about nothing but tacos. (laughs) That was some quite quick thinking by Bill to associate those foods with those specific quarterbacks. And he also deserves credit for... Uh, also, finally giving me somebody else who I can podcast with and talk to who is as critical of James Franklin as me. This is another <laughs> another absolute gift that we must all be thankful for because if it comes to – even if they are competitive in a game. Penn they State will be competitive. They've been competitive. They just find a way to lose when they shouldn't uh, in, in games like – and plus last year, Bill, I don't know. Austin, I'm sorry. I, don't mean to catch, I didn't mean to – go down this road didn't penn state lose to michigan by 100 points last year and give up like 7,000 yards rushing in that game yeah they yeah but annihilated. They, they were super tough though they were super tough no toughness problems at penn state i don't know what you're talking about forgot about that i think that that part is like also kind of crazy to me like yes on november 26th ohio state lost and in the fourth quarter they gave up some long running plays 
I didn't think that that team was out toughed by Michigan. It's certain the first half, like they missed some tackles and they blew some assignments in the secondary that changed the game. Those things happen. Not trying to uh, revise history. Can't do that. To say that Ohio State did not play tough in that game, I think is inaccurate. And to say that they can't play tough based on what they did one month later against Georgia is also faulty. This is one of the most physically gifted teams in the country. They against Michigan in the big house a year and a half ago did not meet the moment. There were a lot of other explanations for that, but if you want to say that Michigan was clearly the tougher program on that day, I would say, sure, you're right about that. I don't think that that was the case on November 26th. I don't feel that way personally. I can understand why other people do, but there were a lot of examples of Ohio State playing really tough football, including the one a month later where there's still all this criticism, especially on the other side of the rivalry coming out where it's like Ohio State's past their prime and they're you know, they don't have the same ability, the same players anymore. Like, what would anybody be saying if Ohio State actually made that field goal against Georgia? Like, that's mm. that's just crazy. I think there is a there's a difference between physical toughness and mental toughness, right? Like two years ago, they got bullied and ran off the field. Um, last year, it, they let it snowball on them, and in a way that I think we're not used to seeing from Ohio State. So. I think you can label that toughness. That's not in my mind, like a personnel um, clashing of styles there that, that Ohio state necessarily has to overcome. I, I thought that they took a little bit of a step forward in that regard last year. They just, they didn't get the job done because I think now there's this new thing in the rivalry in particular, where like, I think we might've said it after the game, like Michigan's not afraid of them anymore. Like I think Ohio state had that to kind of, kind of rely on, even if it didn't play his best game, its best game, you could, reasonably assumed that eventually the dam was going to break because Michigan just wasn't mentally up to the task of trying to beat Ohio state. That's gone now. And it almost feels like it's flipped, but I don't, that is not uh, Ohio state is necessarily getting pushed around in the trenches conversation. That is an Ohio state, you know, needs to get over that mental hurdle hurdle conversation in my mind. Yeah. It took Jim Harbaugh seven years to get like, Oh, you know, to get loose enough in that game to beat Ohio state and to, to trust his assistance and to, you know, trust his offense to do what it's going to do. Ryan day. And I think it sometimes gets lost. Like his first year as a head coach at Ohio state went to Ann Arbor and beat Michigan would have certainly beaten them in 2020. And the Jim Harwell would have been fired. That's irrelevant because bygones are bygones. Ryan day needs to figure out how to loosen himself back up for that game a little bit, I think. And that's, you know, we saw that, what he can do in that role and when he's in that mindset against Georgia, but he certainly was not that coach and that play caller against Michigan. So I, I don't think it was a physical toughness thing, as Bill said. I think it was a, a mental clamping, a mental clamping of guys going, <clears throat> wow, what are we going to do? How do we, how do we stop this from happening again? Um, so don't get again, choked the, up, man. It's okay. I, it just hurts. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Uh, but in reality, I, I just don't think that this was a situation that was as profound as people thought last year. I, I agree with Austin in that respect. I, it wasn't that like they got physically whooped by Michigan that game. They gave up two 75-yard touchdown runs in the last eight minutes that when the game was over, but whatever. Get that man some lemon perfect or cucumber lime Gatorade, either one. Uh, we'll solve that. I, I think that those points are are well made and well taken by both of you, uh, especially looking at that game in particular. I, I my I think that there's a case to be made that there has been overall complacency for Ohio State, and that should that part should also be gone. Like 
they haven't beat this team in three years. There, there was an expectation, and I think we saw it even in the Oregon loss, where it's like they had so many guys that expected to be in the NFL, and it had come so easily, and they're just going to roll to the Big Ten Championship every year without any problems, that it became an expectation for them without understanding the level of work that goes into it. Michigan has also elevated its program in the last couple of years. There's no question about that. And so it will take even more work for Ohio State to get back to that level and back on top. I'm not, I'm not pushing back or resistant to that idea at all because I think that if this team doesn't, this year doesn't understand that it's been that many years in a row without gold pants, without a Big Ten championship now, without uh, you know winning a national championship that's going on nearly a decade at this point, if they don't understand what it's going to take at this point without ever actually having done it themselves, that's a much different problem. And I would say that that is something that the, the program itself would have to address. But I don't – I get that sense coming out of spring camp that Ohio State just expects it to be really easy because it none of these guys have reached that mountaintop. I don't know how much that played in directly to the last two years. That's speculation on my part. But if that's some of the mental toughness that, Bill, I think you're talking about, I can understand it. I think complacency is a good word for it. Um, and I, I wonder if playing as well as they played against Georgia but not quite getting the job done, seeing what happened after that game when Georgia blew the doors off a of TCU was a crystallization for anyone in the program of like like remember who you like who you are, how good you can be. And um, maybe some of it was taken for granted. I don't know. Um, if, if it was, it needs to change because I, I, I do think the one thing that is maybe true about – this conversation as it relates to like Michigan, certainly, but, but also Penn state is like Penn state with a potentially dynamic quarterback is a different animal than what we've seen under, under James Franklin. Um, I think that is the biggest thing that's held them back is they just haven't had a quarterback. I think they can scare teams like Ohio state when it came down to it. And I'm not saying that Drew Aller is definitely that guy, but he has the best chance of being that guy of anyone they've had um, since James Franklin has been there. Like Trace McSorley was, was pretty good too, but this is different. Um, and then we're also entering a world where like USC and UCLA will be here soon enough. And you're talking about then four programs, Michigan, Penn state, USC, UCLA, who, should have Ohio State's attention. Like, if, if Ohio State is not on its game, I think all four of those programs recruit, are coached well enough, um, have enough, like, uh, program infrastructure to beat them at, like, in a given year, which has not necessarily been the case for Ohio State for long stretches of its existence in the Big Ten. It, is, it has been the top dog, and frankly, there have been many years where it hasn't been threatened. There are more threats, I think, around them now that if they're not careful um, or diligent, I think it could get a little hairy for them, but I'm not ready to say that it's there just yet or even really those, close to it. Those threats, I think, are a result of what we've seen happen against Michigan in the last two years because even Penn State, you that Penn State team is not afraid of Ohio State. I mean, they haven't been for years. I mean, that probably should have been at times, but just weren't. Now they, their talent is starting to reach uh, into a different level for Penn State. Even Maryland, I mean, Wisconsin under Luke Fickle, like the Big Ten is going to be different. Matt Rule at Nebraska, it's going to take him a couple of years to get the talent that he needs there, but he's not going to be afraid of Ohio State. And all these teams have to do is put on the film of Ohio State in the last two years and say, oh, well, this team's not tough. This team's not tough. So I, there is a, a bigger question for Ohio State to solve, but to suggest that they're in a position where the program is teetering on the brink of mediocrity, like this article seems to suggest, uh, is a little bit um, premature, uh, or a lot bit premature, because they were in the playoff and should have won the national championship four <laughs> months ago. Yeah, I don't suggest that any of those teams around the Big Ten put on the film of the Georgia game, or if 
if they want to dig in, maybe skip the Michigan State matchups from the last couple of years when people thought that was a top ten team for some reason. Uh, there's a lot you of want to talk about a program falling apart, man. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck's going on up there? Yeah, there's a lot of examples that you don't want to watch if you're trying to find some hope that Ohio State is slipping into mediocrity. Which, spoiler alert, they are not. Um, I know I hate to break it to the world's most trusted newspaper, but that's probably not correct. But shout out to USA Today for giving us something to talk about uh, on this beautiful Thursday. Yes, bro. The good news is, is that you can finish third in the Big Ten starting next year and still make the playoff. Mm. Yeah, that's so. the other thing. Yeah. It's also not quite the insult that it used to be. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we didn't need to read this at the top of the show and spend 20 minutes on it, but I enjoyed it anyway. Just saying, like, the, the entire conversation is moot because starting next year, the third-place team in the Big Ten East, which will be the third-place team in the Big Ten, will make the playoff every year. So who cares? <laughs> I love when we get to the end of a show and this, the summation is, who cares? That's who when cares? I know That's when I know that I've nailed the topic and we've had a great one. On Freaky Friday... Uh, Bill mentioned that Josh Simmons is on the way for Ohio State uh, to play tackle coming out of the transfer portal. He is joining us for a conversation tomorrow. Uh, You won't want to miss it. Great stuff. Uh, He and Bill only spent 75% of the time just talking about offensive line uh, play and and throwing punches and and kick sliding. Um, But we Kudos to Josh. Kudos to Josh because I've never heard anyone on any of our shows say, I've never felt so sexy. Like, (laughs) kudos to him. So look for that and find out yeah. why Josh Simmons is feeling so sexy. Uh, and in, you won't want to miss it. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us on a Thursday, though. That'll be tomorrow. I uh, appreciate you uh, watching us or listening to us wherever you find it uh, on the podcast platforms. He's Bill. Uh, that's Berm. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.